Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 210, Arya in a Storm of Swords 3. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And are you ready to get lost, but then get found like very immediately after? She's never going to let it happen to her again. She (laughs) said, fool me once. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you can't get fooled again. According to (laughs) President George W. Bush. (laughs) And I'm over here just like J. Cole. Fool me three times, fuck the pe- Anyways, I'm excited for this episode. It's another shorty, just like Arya herself. Uh, it's quick. You know, we're going to get in and out because the next couple chapters get really juicy. True. We'll talk about that in a moment. First up, let's talk about our Patreon bonus episode for the month. Patrons in the Stranger tier and above, that's five bucks and up, get a bonus episode every month. This month, I'm very excited about it. Once in a while, Eliana and I let one another get what they want in these episodes. Eliana would be like, what if we did this? And I'm like, yes, Eliana, we should do this. And finally, it's my turn this month because Eliana is letting me do a Hunger Games episode. Very excited. I I like how you act like, you know, (laughs) so it's not also a treat for me. I actually really like these books. I'm excited to do them. I think part of the reason I ha- we haven't necessarily done them is I feel as though there's a lot covered in these books, and I actually find them very intimidating to cover. Mm-hmm. I think that they're really heavy, and so I'm very excited to start the series. We are only doing book one. When I say The Hunger Games, we are not doing the whole series yet because it's a heavy series. Yeah, there's a lot of book to get through, and I think Hunger Games is a great place to start. If you've seen the movies or if you've read the books... I think it'll be a fun, fun episode or a very depressing episode. Maybe both. Maybe both. True. And also, I mean, I think part of what inspired us is we're like, oh, there's also the the new movie that came out recently. Yeah, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is a prequel. It's a prequel film. It's adapted from the prequel book that Suzanne Collins put out of the same name. And it follows Coriolanus Snow, uh, 18 years old. 17, 18 years old, I should say, and he's young, dumb, and full of... Cu- no, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> oh he is God, young and dumb. <laughs> I mean, depending on who you follow on Twitter, on Hunger Games Stan Twitter, which I am a big, big promoter in, you know, I'm out there, I'm playing in the Hunger Games every day on Twitter now, but no, he's stupid, and I love it. I'm very excited. You get to see, um, but he's not in some ways, and I'm sure we'll get to that book eventually. I'll force your hand and you'll be reading it so i can't wait for that yeah and i'm actually really excited to do that because it'll be my first time reading the prequel book Mm -hmm. i've actually been reluctant to do so because um you know it wasn't a character that i felt was very compelling but i think you and some of our friends like ara aka i eat zebra have said it's such a good like it's actually a really interesting perspective so i'm excited to get there Yeah, we'll be covering a lot of the main themes in The Hunger Games in this first episode, and they're themes that I guarantee you'll see come back when you read that prequel. It's very interesting. It's a good read. I highly suggest it if you're out there and you've read the original trilogy and you're looking for something more. And there's a rumor, I don't know the truth behind it, that Suzanne Collins may be writing another one. Oh, interesting. Another prequel or like a sequel? or Yeah, a prequel. So Suzanne, please... Give me Haymitch's story in full, even though we kind of know it. Please, I'm free Friday, Suzanne, if you have time. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you. Interesting. Okay, okay. Well, that's what we're doing. We are ending the year by starting a new journey, you know. <laughs> Every new beginning, something, other nope. beginnings ends. <laughs> I really fucked up. I'm actually very bad at song lyrics, everyone. Well... Other other news is that tomorrow is brunch, or happy hour, or brappy hour. Yes, tomorrow, the 9th of December, 2023, is our last Discord brunch slash happy hour of the year. Uh, of the year 2023, we'll return with brappy hours for our Discord members and our Thunder Tier members. Yes, Thunder Tier, $10 and up tier, gets access to Discord for life. And uh, we'll be we'll be coming back in January for that. But if you're listening and you haven't joined up and you really want to, we're getting it out early this month. We're doing brunch early so you can all get to your Christmas parties. 
where your holiday part is, whatever you're doing this month, whatever family you got to go be with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not only is it earlier this month, it is actually a little earlier in the day than we usually do it. Yeah, this brunch is going to be at 2 p.m. We moved it a little earlier so that we can kind of get you all out 2 p.m. ET to 4 p.m. ET, get you to your your holiday parties or to your relatives or wherever you got to go. We don't want to hold up your weekends, but we also want to see all of our Discord friends before the year's up, because it's been such a fucking great year with you guys. Really. It actually really has been quite a great year with all of you. We got to meet a couple of people earlier this year as well, and yeah, yeah that was that was in April, so... Yeah, uh, friends and patrons near and far, right? We had a friend from Ireland, a friend from the UK come in. We've met a lot of people this year from our friend group, and I'm, I look forward to 2024 with you all. Indeed. Well, last thing about closing out the year, Aria 5 will be the last Aswaf POV chapter of the year. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Just like, whoa. This is wow. news to me. Wow. Yeah, we're we're releasing this one for public on December 22nd, and then we're going to go on a little bit of a winter vacation. So you'll still hear our voices, thanks to patrons who are letting us release some episodes, some bonus episodes from the Patreon bonus episode vault. And we'll return to you sometime in January and continue on with A Storm of Swords. Yeah. And, okay, we've saved the best news for last. Next episode, we have something very exciting. We have a special guest. Yes, our good friend Carm is going to join us. I actually got to meet Carm this year as well, That's believe right. it or not. So there you, you go. Did. There's another one. There yeah, is Carm one. and I, we're local. Uh, I've actually met Carm a couple times, and God bless them. They, they're so fun. They have a fun style, and... We saw some movies nearby one another. It was a blast. But Carm is so funny. Cracks me up. They are the number one on-guy enjoyer, first of all. Uh, They'll probably be able to give us their official on-guy pronunciation. pronunciation. Yeah, (laughs) I I look forward to that. But he's the, yeah, he's a blast, loves the rebellion stuff. And I can't wait to have them on to talk about Arya 4 because it is a chunky chapter. It is very thick. There's a lot that goes on. Uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the chapter. It's curvy. It is a curvy chapter. It's mm. got left and right curves, up and down. It's everywhere. So we will need Carm to guide us and shepherd us through that. Absolutely. We will. I'm a, I'm really excited. And, you know, I think Carm is also very excited. And Arya is one of, like, their favorite characters. And so we are, we are, we've got a packed December here. Yeah. A lot to get done before 2024, and we're glad to have you all along for the ride. Thanks for listening to us and for subscribing, and for all of your nice comments and emails and reviews and all the stuff that we get all the time. We've gotten some really nice, we've gotten a couple really, really kind emails this holiday season so far, and we did get a new review. I was really excited to see this one. I was surprised when I saw this in the document. I was like, wait, is that... From iTunes? <laughs> it's been a while. It we has. haven't had I I think people are afraid that we're gonna sass them on air whenever they leave us a review, even though we beg it, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But this one's great. You should read this one for us. <laughs> okay, so this one comes from EA Champion. As in like so real. the games, I assume. Everywhere. <laughs> so EA Champion said uh the title of this review is Lamowing, which love that. Thank you, first of all. L M A O ing for those of you that don't speak Eliana. Lamau. Oh, I gotta tell y'all about my Baldur's Gate character sometime. Anyways, I I already have. I haven't gotten very far. Um, it's a stressful game. Triggers all my anxiety. Says I just started listening to this cast after listening to all the episodes of Not a Cast, and I am in love. I just got to where season eight of the bad show started. I cannot help myself and I laugh constantly to myself while listening at work and (laughs) everyone thinks I'm crazy, but YOLO. Thanks for a very entertaining and thoughtful commentary. We are indeed entertainment. Don't ever forget everyone. Yeah, no one has ever called our season eight content thoughtful. So I really am like in awe. I think that was overall our content. Maybe not just season eight, but sad. I think I just blocked out that time period as well because i was like 
I'm a different person than I was then. Whatever. It was also just like we were going through, I think, the John chapters. And after a while, I'm going to be real. They dragged. It was sad. Especially with the season eight stuff. I was like, oh, my God. Free me. I'm like, Arya, this chapter, free me. Oh my god. They were, yeah, very depressing chapters after a while, but I'm the one that was like in um to win um, you know? Like they yeah. did drag, but I was over there like, let the sadness envelop me. I love being sad. I've had a like an awakening during those chapters, I mm, feel like. Because remember, I didn't like John really before then. Like I didn't, it's not that I didn't like him, I just didn't care. I feel him. the same. And I, and I do feel the same about John now. What you like as you similar mm-hmm. journey, but it was still like you know you were like let the sadness flow through you. I am like please do not let me feel my feelings. <laughs> this I is why Eliana is the sun and I'm the moon. Maybe sometimes, maybe we flip flop. I don't know. Maybe. Don't know. Well, I'm so glad that EA Champion <laughs> is sticking through this with us. Thank you, EA Champion, yeah, for the you. review. Thank you. You'll get I here one we, day. Uh, yeah, I hope that when you get... Oh, yeah, shit. I wonder where they are. I, w- I hope they can keep up and, like, let us know where they are somehow. It is please, astound- please let us know. Yeah, it is astounding how quickly, actually, people get through the chapters. Like, for example, um, one of our listeners, Chlorophoba, breezed through something. Like, you know, people were like, you're all the way back oh, yeah. there. Within, like, a week or a month, he was all, all caught up. Yeah, Chlorophobia went through it. He was like, I'm on Sam today. And then the next day, he was like, so You're I'm on the first Sam. Arya. Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. It was fucking nuts. Anyway, I'm I'm interested when EA Champion races and catches up to us. I don't know what kind of champion. If EA Champion catches up with us, I will challenge them for the championship title. Of what? Of EA yeah. Sports? EA Games? Of, no, How does it go? of EA Games, because EA I played games. two EA Games, Tell three me. EA Games, what actually. What were they? What were they? Sims 2, oh, Sims right. 3, Sims 4. Suck on it. Woo! Yes. Chloe is like a Sims scholar. Yeah, this is for another day, but (laughs) for another day, but I am what we call a Sims scholar for sure. I'm into it. A Sim. Oh my gosh. Thank you again for the email or for the review. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you again for the review. We, like I said, have a quick chapter today, so may as well get to her. Get to the Riverlands and start off with Just the lightning round. Ah. I don't know the rest of the words of that song. Jenny's in her castle. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm between you and me, your whimsy and my lyricism. We can make this musical happen, Eliana. We can absolutely do it. So let's come back to this song of Ice and Fire. Kellen too. Kellen and Rob reveal their cute little oopsie moments to one another while their allies leave. Bye. Uh, John too. Egret and John share a bed. I misread your line there for a second. I thought it said bud. And I was like, wow. Wow, they really grow in stuff. We're free folk, motherfuckers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sansa too. In one of the best chapters that tells a story through garments. We are also a fashion podcast. Sansa is being fitted for a new dress. It's a really good chapter, and that's it all is. I'm going to fucking say. It's a good chapter. Sansa 2 and ASOS is good. It that is. brings us to another great chapter, back-to-back. Arya 3, in a storm of swords. Arya tries to break free from the Brotherhood, but she's caught once more. We open up on intermittent rain, but the sky is more gray than blue. By the third day, the moss is growing on the wrong side of the trees, and Arya kind of notices that they're going south, not north. She tells Gendry she thinks they're lost and that they shouldn't have left the river. So there's a lot of like morning of the third day, third day stuff going on in this book specifically, A Storm of Swords, that I think gives it very biblical vibes, one of which being here with Arya noticing. But also, if you'll remember, Catelyn Stark was revived, I'm sorry, resurrected on the third day. I, I needed to be clear about um Jesus with the, yeah about our language yeah Jesus and it also is a very Majora's Mask vibes but <laughs> more importantly in regards to you know like the Catelyn Stark Jesus comparisons that other people have made before not not necessarily mm-hmm. us you know even though we say Ned Stark died for our sins 
Catalin has the, you know, she has like the scars on her hands, right? And then mm-hmm. comes back the third day. Yeah, it, it's not lost on me how masterfully done the barrack stuff is in this book to reveal mm. her at the end. It's so well placed. God damn it, George, your brain. His George. mind. George. About his handwriting, as I've learned recently. <laughs> Oh yeah, you—that's a tale you'll have to work in today about your uh, your big reading challenge over Thanksgiving break. Yeah. So Gendry comments that they're probably going a shorter secret outlaw way because the outlaws have lived here for years. And Arya bites her lip. She is still worried about the moss. Do you want to exercise your? You've been working on your Gendry voice. How many more times are you going to get to use it? Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> Chloe looks so exasperated, everyone. <laughs> it's like a little Brooklyn accent, but it also has a little like Irish almost to it. I don't know what's going on with this mm-hmm. accent, so let We're me just dabble. It. It's <clears throat> a work in progress. The way it's raining, we'll have moss growing from our ears before long, Gendry complained. Only from our south ear, Arya declared stubbornly, which Lamau, <laughs> Arya, but also again... As you and I discussed last time, this is exactly how I feel about Moss. Well, and, you know, uh, a lot of people have pointed this out. And actually, I was rereading an Adderwell essay the other day on this. And Arya obviously gets the Moss wrong, as we pointed out. She she flip-flops on it several times. And this kind of shows, like, oh, maybe you just had it wrong, Arya, the whole time. Yeah. That and, I don't know, Moss just, I've seen Moss. Okay. It's not reliable. It is not a reliable method. So, anyway, there's no use trying to convince them. But Gendry's like the only friend she has now because Hot Pie stayed behind at Charna's Inn. He got a job offer, decided to follow his one true calling, which is ale, rabbit, and baking. Very valid. And their goodbye was sweet. Hot Pie remembers, oh, Arya's a lady now, and asks if she'll come back when the war is done, and Arya nods. She apologizes for busting him up the one time when they fought, and breaking his nose, and he grins, saying, well, you broke Lem's too. And that's a little bittersweet moment. And when it's time to go, Hot Pie asked if he could kiss my lady's hand, and she punches him in the shoulder, saying she's Arya and he's Hot Pie. Aww. He says at the end that now he's just boy and he's no longer hot pie Mm -hmm. uh, because that gets confusing, as Sharna had mentioned last chapter. And it's getting even more confusing calling him boy because there's the other boy. So it's kind of interesting. And husband. There's husband. (laughs) I'm sorry. There's roommate, boy, and boy. Oh, yes. Roommate. Uh, Sorry. It is really bittersweet. And that's interesting, right? Because it's like hot pie is losing his identity, Mm. much like Arya is going on to do. Right? Hot Pie is Ooh, now also nameless and faceless. He's just boy. Uh, but it's so bittersweet because for Hot Pie out on foot in this war, he's more than shown us he's not made for being a foot soldier. Right? He's not made for killing. He wants to be free to bake and to help people on a level that he can actually help them. Right? Like, he's not out in the wo- in the woods. He's no one. He's not a help to anyone. Right, mm. giving them away or getting them killed. He can't run fast. And it doesn't mean that he's useless, though. Like, there are still other uses for Hot Pie. Like, last chapter, he tells Sharna and her husband why the bread is bad. And it's not like something that costs more money necessarily. It costs more money with labor. But the fix isn't something that costs more money. People living in extreme conditions in poverty under war deserve to have nice things, too under or not under war hell you know like broke bitches deserve good things like just because you're poor or in lesser conditions doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy what you have he can fix that bread for fucking free which you know there's almost some uh water into wine kind of to it when you think about it right like he's got a little jesus going on himself here you know comes to the inn and says let there be bread (laughs) hot pie this is my body Break this bread. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. It makes me think a lot about like conscription and war and how not everybody that gets conscripted is a soldier. Mm, right? Yeah. Um no spoilers, but there's a character in the Hunger Games prequel, right, who wants to be a medic, doesn't want to be a cop or a soldier on the front line. His hope is that he can be a medic and help people. And unfortunately he learns that that isn't gonna work for him. That opportunity does 
get taken away. And it makes me think of, you know, like I have friends in the military that do desk jobs. Uh, I have a friend that got to move to like Hawaii and do a desk job for half a decade for a while and do some other tech stuff for them. And it was very interesting. But there are a lot of jobs just to keep things running in a military or even in a rebellion. Food, obviously, that's really important. Rebels need food to eat and food and ASWAF in general, right? Like the nourishment and what food means and all of the symbolism around some of the food and ASWAF. Eating richly, whether it's just because Georgia loves food or not, eating richly is good usually for characters, especially that are malnourished from being on the run. Uh-huh. But it's also the sad part of it. Like, there's also a great sadness, right? Because it makes me really sad for Arya, because as she hurdles toward the end of her Storm of Swords journey and ends up at the twins and ends up uh, at her the wedding for her <laughs> uncle, she's alone. She's lost Hot Pie. She loses Gendry, right? They choose to leave her, her new pack that she wanted to keep, chooses to leave her, and she finally shows up at what she thinks is going to be a reunion with her pack, her family, but it's actually a slaughter of her family. So that will fuck a kid up, I would say. Yeah, only one of the several things that will fuck Arya up. But I really like what you pointed out about Hot Pie also losing his identity in war, right? Like how I think we've seen... There's this kind of idea of, like, you know... The way that the broken man kind of strips people of their identity, and I'm not saying Hot Pie is a broken man, but the idea that war turns people like into into these bodies and these statistics, and that's what's happening mm-hmm. to Hot Pie. But just because the war is doing that or him staying behind is doing that doesn't mean that he is. We see that he's like this rich character that that is in Arya's story, and that's true of a bunch of other people, you know, throughout our world, right? Even though we don't know them, they have full lives. Hot Pie, it doesn't, because he's not a real person. These are all characters in books, but... Anyway, speaking of these characters in books, I imagine that when this scene was written, it was also during a time when George was envisioning there being a five-year gap. So when you think about, like, that timeline, when Hot Pie also saying, like, you know, Arya, please visit me when the war is done. That's at least five more years from now, right? Like... And it really strikes me as well when Arya thinks, you know, she doesn't know if the war will ever be done. You were talking about these things that would really affect her psyche. And I think one of that is her feeling as though the war is endless. The fighting will never, ever be done because all she's had to do from this young age now is fight. War has become the one constant in her life. And the people in it, unfortunately, are the things that are not constants. They are leaving her all the time. They are ephemeral. Yeah. At the end, she's alone. I mean, that's when she goes to make her big choice of going to Bravos. She has nothing else waiting for her. Yeah. I kind of wonder if we'll see something like come full circle, maybe with her as she grows and realizes that just because people don't stay with you the whole time, you know, they go mm. off somewhere, doesn't mean they're not part of your family. You don't love them. You're still part of the same pack. Even if you're far apart, you're still connected, which could be part of her choice to if she does choose to leave later on at the end of the story. Yeah, they're the people you love are always with you, even if they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> All you need is, um, I don't know, glass candles and cell phones. <laughs> That's like me uh, and Chloe. <laughs> exactly. That's how we live, and yeah. we're doing just fine in our marriage. Yeah, she helped me sort through how to deal with a Chalazian. Chalazian sty. I don't know, something on my eye today. It just sounds like chorizo when you put it that way. Well, it's better mm. than me just being like explaining to my partner, I have a Charizard on my eye. <laughs> He's like, what? Uh, soon she will not have a Charizard on her eye. Soon I will not. <laughs> Arya really misses Hot Pie, but she confides in Harwin now instead. She tells him about his dad's death, and later he'll tell her about, you know, her dad's almost death. And, um, it's kind of funny. Harwin gets a nice remark in. He's like, you know, Holin always said he'd die in a stable. Kind of sad in a sweet way, right? Like, uh, oh, he died doing what he loved, being in a stable. I thought I was, like, being stabbed? No. (laughs) I can't wait. I hope I get that. He's just like me for real. Oh my god. She tells him about 
King's Landing and escaping and Yorin, and she leaves out the bit where she kills a stable boy because while she talks to Harwin, she's like, this is like talking to my dad. I can't bear letting my dad know that I murdered someone. She doesn't tell him about the coin that Jacken gave her either. Secret secrets. Secrets. Yeah, that's just for her. And, you know, I think that's something that's really interesting when it comes to Arya's identities, right? Because I think we see her as having all these different personas and Arya Stark being her true one. But even when she's Arya Stark, her true identity, she still cannot be her true self. And a lot of her storyline is about her being able to be her authentic self and finding it like right from the beginning of her story in a game of thrones she's forced to play the part of a lady and so she has to hide all these parts of herself her interests and right now she feels she has to hide the dark parts of herself and the shameful things that she had to do to survive and you know when i think the stark children finally finally get to reunite with one another hopefully uh i think that or i hope that it can be really help like healing for them they can finally be their full selves with each other, even all of those ugly parts, because I think, you know, obviously each of them knows what grief feels like. Each of them knows what it meant to have to make those difficult and shameful mm-hmm. choices to survive, and also about making mistakes, making very costly mistakes. So. Yeah, I really love that because, like, I mean, you think about, like, okay, like trauma bonding. But, like, when you have a friend and you both trauma dump on each other and you Mm. bond because you're like, here are the terrible things that happened in my life. Here are the terrible things that happened in my life. And then suddenly your bond is so special and strong. You can tell them anything. You can be like, I murdered a boy in a stable. Oh, my God. I murdered a boy in a stable. (laughs) I I poisoned our cousin. Um, What are you telling me? (laughs) (laughs) What are you telling me right now, uh, I'm and, winking. Don't tell them. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah the I poisoned our cousin, but also you know John be like, yeah, I had to kill my teacher. <laughs> Which one? Which one? Yeah, true, true. At night, Arya holds her coin and she thinks of Jacken's melted off face, and she repeats her prayer to herself: Sir Gregor, Dunson, Poliver, Raff the Sweetling, the Tickler, the Hound, Sir Illyn, Sir Marin, Queen Cersei, King Joffrey. Only six of twenty Winterfell men remain of the men that her father sent west with Beric from the throne room. Harwin tells her it was a trap. Tywin hoped to coax Eddard west and kill him, or to trade him for the imp, but the Kingslayer hadn't known the plan. Arya remembers, though, and she tells him the Kingslayer killed Jory, and Harwin nods. Eddard's leg had been shattered, and that's why he couldn't go west and send other men. So first of all, I think Arya's probably actually very good at lyrics and remembering song lyrics. Second, I find I find this reveal of what happened with that plan kind of really interesting, right? Because we see how the Lannisters' plans go awry because of like that lack of communication. Kind of reminds me of Robin Edmure in regards to holding River Run. Also, there's kind of like an almost good fortune, right, of Jamie's character flaws and being so hot-headed, which prevented them, prevented the Lannisters from making it seem like Ned's death was an accident and he could be there, you know, for the stuff that happened with Robert, at least. And uh, it, it makes, it throws a wrench in the Lannister plans and it prevents Arya from becoming, like, entrapped as well by the Lannisters, right, because of how things fell. And also, I think it's interesting that the person who first witnesses Ned sending these men out is Sansa and we get a follow-up to what happened and the discussion of the trap part of it in Arya's chapter especially considering that Sansa learned that there was also a political trap of a sort when it came to this decision in her discussion with Littlefinger during those chapters in Game of Thrones. Yeah it strikes me that Arya has the most information now of what actually happened because something I love that he does with her right is that Arya gets a lot of information but because of her age she doesn't necessarily put the pieces together of what it actually means right so she's starting to kind of collect these bits and pieces from the week that her dad died mm. of what happened before um, I mean she doesn't know about Jamie Lannister and what happened to his leg in full she doesn't know the details she doesn't know what her dad was doing uh, so it, it it's interesting right because this is like Sansa and her have 
half and half of the information. Mm-hmm. Sansa is with Littlefinger now and has even more information in a way as she's starting to understand what makes him tick. So I wonder if Arya and Sansa, when they reunite, whether it's Winds of Winter or A Dream of Spring, if this will be enough info that they can put it together, paste it together, and kill Littlefinger with it. Yeah, and then they'll hit up Gendry and be like, hey, guess what my dad was doing the week before he died? <laughs> Looking at well, your that's... parentage. <laughs> it, no, By really. the way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's the other thing. I'm like, Gendry, you should mention more about that visit from Eddard in a year or two, you know? Because if you show up, put that info out there. Because really, it's going to get to the point where the only missing information for both Sansa and Arya about that day is the Littlefinger betrayal, right? Mm. About that week, about him betraying. Like, had he not betrayed their father, he might have been able to get them out of there and get out himself. Um, it was already in motion with Littlefinger, and I think that missing fact is something that Sansa and Arya have to put together. Yeah, either they put it together, or I, I don't really like the mechanism of it. I don't know, it works, it's fine if it's a brand. I think I just don't like it because of how the show did it, but people had theorized <laughs> it would go that way for a long time. I have no idea how this would even happen, but it would be kind of funny and interesting if it came from... Cersei. Oh, I'm like, if it came from Rickon. Fascinating also. Fascinating idea also, but Cersei. How would how would Cersei be the one to give that info, do you think? I'm just curious. No, I, I, I like I said, there's no way that they possibly connect with one another for her to be able to give them that info, but I just think it would be really dramatic, mm-hmm. and I love drama, because for her to be like, <laughs> Littlefinger? You mean the guy who betrayed your father and then being like no you're full of lies Cersei you've always been mean to me and lied to me and she's like I'm telling the truth now because a broken clock is right twice a day <laughs> but anyway sorry done I like this dream it's an interesting dream I just don't see the execution but I still like it I like it it won't happen it absolutely will not happen I just like it's fun though messy anyway <laughs> speaking of things that were messy Harwin says he watched the mountain slay Raymond Derry. Glenn Wild uh, also died, and Lord Mallory was ridden down and drowned. He thought he was doomed too, but Alan restored order, and they rallied around Thoros, cutting their way free. They went from six score to two score in a day, and Beric was gravely wounded. Thoros took a foot of lance out of Beric's chest that day, Ugh. boiling his wound with wine, and everyone thought he'd be dead by daybreak, but Thoros prayed all night beside the fire, and by dawn, Beric was alive and strong. Wow. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> the fighting had passed them by then. The mountain's men crossed the Red Fork in strength and burnt everything in their path. They had planned to join King Robert when he marched to crush Tywin's rebellion, but then, suddenly, Robert was dead. And then what? Ned and Joffrey had the throne. Some wanted to yield, but Beric wouldn't hear of it calling them king's men, protecting the king's people. Honestly, putting it out there, Beric is an amazing marketer. Just <laughs> the way that he spun all this. JK, JK, but also not really. But but really. But really. I think that the way that this is all described of what happened to them and their original purpose had been to bring the outlaws to heal, need to find themselves suddenly the outlaws when the regime changed is, you know, it's just a great encapsulation of how the series explores justice and the difference between ethics and morals, right? Like under the Lannister regime, they're no longer really operating ethically under the set of rules that the Lannisters have versus how they decide to follow their own internal set of morals and what they think is good versus bad. And in doing so, they end up being perceived as ethical by a different society, a different <laughs> community, which is those of the people who live here. And that's why the people end up joining them. But I don't know. There's also, and I think you have more thoughts on this and we'll explore this more over the next few chapters. Another aspect of like, is it because what they're doing is so well respected and like so good for everyone? Or is it that some of the men who join also like romanticize the idea of this movement? And I mean, obviously people within the Brotherhood who, like, we meet here already do, but anyway. I mean, it, it's true, though. Like, they're they're small folk influencers, right? In <laughs> influencers. <way>. TikTok. <laughs> Barrick's walking around on TikTok live streaming. He's like, look, it's your boy Barrick getting killed somewhere I shouldn't be. Oh uh, <laughs> but really, he, he they are. Like, they show up. They steal from the rich, give to the poor. They get their free meal out of it because they protect and they kill off what they think are the bad guys. And um, 
I mean, it sounds kind of mobbish when you think about it in that way, but that's all the government is too. So I'm not like, I'm not too mad about it because I'm like, oh, it's small government versus big government. But Mm. I think it's a really great, like watching it from this way, we have kind of like the broken man. You have all these ideas of just like a dude in a war breaking and he's under bad guys that are leading him no matter what. That's kind of an idea that's presented to us next book, Mm -hmm. right? Like Sandor, who fights for assholes and he breaks. Mm. But here, you have it the opposite angle. You have men that seem to be good men that set out to do good, and then it spirals downwards, right? And good doesn't last forever in this group. That's really interesting, because I think also you're, you're articulating something that is going on throughout the whole book series in other POVs that are very far away of, like, the road to hell. Is paved with mm-hmm. good intentions, and they do mm-hmm. have good intentions. They do want to help people and feel connected to them, but everything's gray. Yeah, when do you lose yourself in that? You know, I mean, one day it's making sure Sharna feeds you a duck and nobody fucks her in up, and then one day the men break and Brienne's facing off against Seven. Yeah, <laughs> despairing outside of the inn that no longer has those protections because they're spread too thin and they've broken. Mm. Oh, that's a really interesting idea, too, that, yeah, the organization, the ties that hold them together break, too. Especially because, and we're going to talk about this with Carm next chapter, honestly, there's a, a lot of the fainting and that we don't really know where Beric is, but, you know, we find him through secret, like the Where's Fluffy show in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. But we find him through secrets, you know, through question marks spread across the land. Yeah, he's got, he's uploading his his TikTok videos, his influencer Instagram latergrams, you know, so you never really know where he is. (laughs) Hashtag latergram. Exactly. Throw him off the scent. I I love your description of them as influencers. It kind of feels that way, like they're just like walking around singing, you know. Uh, like, come on, they're doing their yeah, they're using their mm-hmm. viral viral songs. Yep, they're doing little TikTok dances in the fucking burnt fields. Yeah, now I'm imagining them doing like a Barrick get ready with me video, and he's like being resurrected as he <laughs> talks about <laughs> being outlaws. Anyway, hashtag gangsmen. Oh my gosh. So we have a passage. We have a passage. If we could not fight for Robert, we would fight for them, until every man of us was dead. And so we did. But as we fought, something queer happened. For every man we lost, two showed up to take his place. A few were knights or squires, of gentle birth. But most were common men. Field hands and fiddlers and innkeeps, servants and shoemakers. Even two settons. Men of all sorts, and women too, children. Dogs. Dogs? said Arya. Aye, Harwin grinned. One of our lads keeps the meanest dogs you'd ever want to see. <sighs> I wish I had a good mean dog. A lion killing dog. She'd had a dire wolf once, Nymeria, but she'd thrown rocks at her until she fled to keep the queen from killing her. Could a dire wolf kill a lion? she wondered. <laughs> I hope. That'd be great to watch. It goes without saying, she's about to have find a very good mean dog. A lion-killing dog himself. <laughs> Actually, though. A Lannister-killing dog. A new dog. An old dog. But he learns new tricks He's not that old. He's 27. <laughs> you said it. She said it, folks. Not me. He's not that old as a, like person he's too ha. old for sansa <laughs> i'm sorry you heard it first eliana is a sansan shipper is I what i just heard not active actively she is in the shipping community of we have a ship here that i support in this chapter is gendria but anyways so i'm just saying that has an age gap too get it together it does but i'm just saying that santor is younger than me and he is not that old that's all who that is isn't all. I'm just kidding. That's I'm just true. kidding. Actually, like I think Tyrion's younger than me now too, and so is Littlefinger. All right, this is getting depressing. Like, this let's is, pack it up. Let's stop. Let's stop. <laughs> How many more years uh, did we say it would take to finish these books? Uh, the outlaws have friends that keep them out of the rain for a little bit. Jack, be lucky, blows his horn, and an abandoned village comes to life. 
They drink ale, they eat dried apples and stale bread, and they even have a goose. Ooh. I love this. I really love this because um, it reflects a few things. I am reminded immediately of the others, right? That he blows the horn and the mm. village reanimates. Everything comes to life. But it also reminds me a little bit of what John is doing with the free folk right now, right? And um, kind of the somewhat guerrilla behavior, like that they're, you know, coming upon their villages or how they're able to faint around the north. It's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of them as well and how he, you know, arrives at these sudden erected village is. Yeah, I, I love that connection that you had with the free folk. And I, I was thinking of a different also, similarly, peoples in the north, that idea of resilience as well with the with the children of the forest, right? Also these seemingly mm. gone, abandoned places and they have an entire society. They seem real sad though, but as opposed to these people mm-hmm. who seem pretty invigorated <laughs> right now. Yeah, I mean they're hiding from the war, right? That's uh that's the big thing. They're hiding from the war, looking for a safe it's safe, come out. Yeah. Absolutely. The villagers chat with Lem, and they tell him that men have been seeking the Kingslayer around these parts, because that's right, he's escaped! Everyone's like, what? No, I don't believe it. How could he escape those dungeons? They're crazy hard to escape from. Thoros must be told. Yeah, because I guess they have first-hand experience with it, and I also think it's not wrong to question, is it true that Jaime Lannister escaped? Because... The truth is kind of somewhere in between because technically Jamie did not really escape. Like, kind mm-hmm. of, but really he was just set free by Arya's mom. He didn't really escape. That's a really good point. He absolutely didn't just escape. Mm-mm. And it's interesting because somebody kind of mentions, oh, well, the Lord of Light will show us Lannister and his flames, and they joke about R'hllor for a minute, and then Lem cracks his knuckles. He's like, well, Beric would love to capture him and give him a trial and then hang him. And they quite obviously, and this is really interesting in light, haha, no pun intended, <laughs> in light of Sandor's trial, right? Uh, they've already decided Jamie's guilty, with or without a trial, pretty much. Lem has already decided it because he, you know, was around during the time that Jamie killed the king because he's, you know, not Lem, Lem, and Cloak. But uh, he. Has already just straight up was like, yeah, and then they'll kill him for his crimes. Ha ha ha. Even if he has a trial. Where Sandor is brought in and obviously he's done some shit and they let him go because he wins his trial, his trial by combat. Uh, and then we have, of course, Jamie captured a Dawada by them and they're, you know, they're ready to take him down then. Yeah, and I guess their method of trial is different by that time. As opposed to <laughs> how it is here, which is kind of funny, right? Then it becomes parallels with Tyrion, and they're like, that man is guilty. Tyrion was not actually guilty of whatever that crime was at that time in Game of Thrones. But also, you were you were talking about Lem Lemon Cloak and... Not being quite himself. Not being himself, but also in regards to the king that he would have served at that time, or the prince of the king. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, it's very Ares-like, right? The way that they're they're thinking about this trial... Yeah, it's not that different from what Ares would do in the yeah. end. Ares's would be longer and more torturous, I suppose, but they do kind of torture Sandor with fire, whether yeah. he doesn't die or not. Exactly. There's like the fire aspect, though I guess there is more of a chance of winning. I'm surprised that they think that they could win against, because they don't, you know, Jamie's not injured yet at that time. Surprising that they think they could win against him in a trial by combat. But anyways, I also think it's funny that they're saying that Beric would hang him, and also what you were saying of them being like, yeah, he's they just decide that he's guilty. But anyways, it turns out that Beric doesn't end up hanging Jamie because Beric's dead. But maybe the person-ish thing who has Beric's life force absolutely would just kind of goes through. Or also yeah. like, I don't know, so maybe it's hard. just like people who lead the Brotherhood just aren't really into real trials. They're all um, theater students. All of them went to theater camp. <laughs> They're all in theater camp. A camp isn't home. But isn't it kind of? <laughs> or um, Stoneheart doing it kind of. It is. When can we get Jimmy Datro to come on our podcast? Yo. Please. Please. Yo. Theater camp episode when? Musical theater. Coming soon. Agreed. Tom begins to play the wood harp, singing a song of the Kingswood Brotherhood. Arya listens to the song, closing her eyes, drifting off to sleep. 
She dreams of Winterfell, but it's not a good dream. She's outside, caked in mud, and when she tries to reach the gates, every step is harder than the one before. The castle fades until it's smoke, and wolves stalk through the trees around her. When she looks at them, she tastes blood. Uh, I took this as Nymeria trying to go home. Did you? Yeah, so I'm like, is she already fucking there? She's so fast. That's what it reads. Yeah, it's fascinating, actually. I guess you can be pretty fast with four legs, and <laughs> when you know which way is north. <laughs> Fuck. I wish Arya would have inherited that wolf skill. I My know, God. Right? The next morning, they leave, and there's gusty winds, but no rain yet. There's even a little bit of sun peeking out. Arya realizes they're going the wrong way, telling Gendry, look at the sun, and unrolls her map, showing him where they are. Jack be lucky, though, defends their choice, and Lem says, you're not going to River Run. Tom Seven Strings steps in, and he's like, no harm's gonna come to you, no harm. Haha, <laughs> Jack be lucky. Jack be quick. Anyways. <laughs> Jack stopped being a fucking dick. Oh, fuck. Nice. So, like what happened with Ned not going with the Brotherhood, I think, you know, this is pretty self-explanatory, but obviously these accidents maybe work out for the better. That's the whole point. And, I mean, Ned obviously still died, but I think all of you also know what I mean. We talked about it earlier, and Arya not going to River Run right away obviously means she isn't dead or, com held, like, completely held as a prisoner by the Lannisters slash Freys, and... It's very much like Danny's story, right? To go north, you must journey south. Mm -hmm. To go home, you have to go the fuck away first. All these other places first. <laughs> I want to come back to the Kingswood Brotherhood, and I kind of thought about putting this in the next chapter, but I wanted to come back here because of the song. Ooh. Yeah, and we're going to get more song next chapter. In fact... A great classic song about some feather beds, if you know what I mean. But this song, we don't really get the lyrics of. I, I thought it was really interesting because we're talking a lot about the Brotherhood, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past Arya episodes, but there's a really significant bit of parallel here, right? Um, you look back at 279 AC, Duskendale, right? Duskendale complained about their taxes, and they kidnapped Ares and tortured him and freaked everyone out. And Ares goes back, and he's fucking traumatized in the 270s from that. Then that traumatic. Kings yeah, very traumatic. Kingswood Brotherhood happened in 281 AC, hmm. not far after Duskendale, right? And then the rebellion, Robert's Rebellion, happens in 282 AC. So you can kind of see the pattern of disparity fiscal disparity in the country across westeros uh and how it's affecting the people and the small uprisings beginning even as early as 279 under Ares, and how it leads immediately to a rebellion in 282 if you map the story we start what 297 so by the last published book we're looking at 299 300 i think we're ordering. in 300 we're in 300 i think we now. just get to 300 right yeah yeah, yeah. so over that handful of years, right, three years, you can see how that escalated. It paints its own picture of unhappy people and their unrest, I would say. And tying the Kingswood to Robert's first rebellion, in a way, uh, versus the Brotherhood to Robert Baratheon now, dead, and they're mm. still Kingsmen, is really interesting. Hell, we have Oswin Longneck, the Thrice Hanged, who sounds an awful lot like Beric, wouldn't you say? Oh. Thrice Hanged? How is someone Thrice Hanged? I, I was thinking, he doesn't like Beric, but I was like, is she going to make like a Land Before Time reference? It is not okay for the Longnecks to be doing this in the Riverlands. Nope, <laughs> no, nope, nope. Not. But that's that's a great catch. I'm sorry, there's going to be. There's also something interesting in the kidnapping of the rich. And so this comes up here. Arya is, you know, she's heard of being a hostage, being a highborn hostage. This isn't anything new. Uh, we hear a lot about it in the story, and Arya is no stranger to understanding the concept. She realizes that that is what she is at this point with mm. them. And we have that parallel of Princess Elia Martell, right? Mm. Uh, Ulmer takes her, and he claims he stole a kiss from her, quote-unquote. And Ulmer at the watch, right? We've talked about him a couple times up at the watch. But he also helped Wenda burn her sign into people including Merit Frey, who gets hanged by Lady Stoneheart, who has her own calling sign at the end of the epilogue. And, of course, 
uh, Tom sings a song about Big Belly Ben and the High Septon's Goose, which ties into that introduction of the Kingswood Brotherhood lore and the, the Brotherhood Without Banners lore, really, this book, as well as in that next couple chapters when Arya's thinking about being ransomed as a, a highborn hostage. Hey, everyone. Sorry if there's alarms in the background. That's just, you know, that's just the Brotherhood Without Banners going, doing their mayhem. Oh my God. Who knows? And yeah, I... I think this is really interesting what you're saying about the connections between the Kingswood Brotherhood and the Brotherhood Without Banners and this idea of like history repeating itself, but also the differences between how, how the things go, right? Because we get an inside look into how the Brotherhood Without Banners kind of devolves into whatever it becomes and the stories of the Kingswood Brotherhood. And that's a that's a great point also that you showed of like how it all ties into this dissatisfaction that people were feeling with Ares's reign which is kind of also interesting when you see how people there's a diversity of opinion right amongst the the mm -hmm. small folk that Arya has met of like how they feel about the Lannisters how they feel about Ares and some of them even romanticizing the time under Ares there's also an interesting connection with how it was ended, right? That Arthur Dane was able to bring some peace and go to Ares and say, hey, can we give them a couple rights? Maybe a penny or two? My God. Yeah. Uh, and then his involvement in the end of the rebellion, right? That at the Tower of Joy, he may have been brokering some sort of peace in another way. Mm. Yeah, I find it interesting. And then, especially because now you're chasing Arthur's 2.0 gone wrong, right? <laughs> Jamie, who was also there at the time. True true and and he thinks about it and now he's yeah maybe we'll get more of it actually that's so interesting because mm -hmm. you're saying you want more information <sighs> one day tomorrow <laughs> right now yesterday when the winds of winter came look out look under your chairs look under your it's chair. there it's there i i bet we will probably get some some reminiscing from jamie in his interiority and stuff so interesting yeah, even just looking at like the mentions of when it comes up, it really starts to appear in Storm. And I think it's a great way to put it against Jamie's actions, put it against the Brotherhood, and for George to kind of tell us this second story and inform us of that history repeating, like you said. Yeah, but with its own little twist, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, Arya begs them to take her and that they'll be rewarded, but Greenbeard says, nah. They're worth too much, and there's also a squirrel analogy, but we'll talk about that another time. They promise that Beric will do right by you and probably send her back to her mother. Just, you know, with some money involved. And she takes a breath, glancing at the outlaws, thinking of her mantra, trying to be quick as a snake. And off she and her horse go in an open field, directionless, just running to escape them. Or as Chloe might sometimes say, off they fuck. <laughs> yes, she urges... <laughs> Uh, I'm so chuffed. <laughs> chuffed. Um, I got you. Chuffed. I got you. I, I knew what you wanted in this moment. You wanted the Chloeisms, the Clopisms. Yeah, but I was like, but she has to say it, but it's okay. I'll just channel her. <laughs> Off <moment>. the fuck. <laughs> She's right here in the room with me, but it's, but not actually in the room. And is Chloe in the room with us right now? Yes. Uh, so she... <laughs> She urges the horse to a gallop, but when she glances back, the men are following her. Oh no! Angai and Harwin and Greenbeard are racing with Lem behind them, and she urges her horse on, jumping a dry ditch. She fords a stream. She's getting back into thick undergrowth. She's so close to making it. She climbs hill after hill. She's lost in the woods. She knows that she needs to get back to a road or a field. Instead, she comes to a game trail, and she's racing along. Branches are hitting her in the face. Uh, she comes to another stream, or maybe it's the same one. Or and a thorns Twitch stream. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. A Twitch stream. Oh, God. Uh, thorns are scratching at her face. She hears the crashing of horses behind her, and she knows that there's no time and that she needs to go. And then she sees that in the lead chasing her is Harwin. Because, you know, there are no heroes in life. Oh, I was thinking because horse guy, but... <laughs> He does have an advantage, but yeah. also how devastating, right? That like yeah. she's he's the one that she's supposed to be able to trust. As they say. The one that she chose to reveal herself to. The only reason she even reveals herself at all, to be honest. Yep. yep. As they say, betrayal. But Betrayal. They being you. 
Oops. Um, we're getting towards the end of the chapter, but this whole like chase scene and her trying to get away, I kind of wonder if we'll see her a prize of this kind of language when Arya is trying to maybe leave the faceless men. I don't know. Maybe. Especially with the little Syria mantra again. I like that. It, it is kind of, I know I condensed it here, but it, it's very tense. It, yeah. It's long. She's actually out. Go read it. Yeah, she's in the lead for a long time, yeah. though. Like, you have to really respect that she, little babe, is out here and she loses them for a minute. She's actually close to escaping. So it's very devastating that just as she's about to escape, there's her father's man that she trusted yeah, to bring her back. The language is really great in this chase scene, actually, and absolutely captures what I imagine it would feel like based on the dreams where I get chased and also based on video games <laughs> where I am running away from. Yeah, Do you games. have these dreams often? Actually, kinda. Okay, we'll Google this later. Okay. Dream meaning. Chased. Huh, being chased. Being chased. It probably, I'm going to tell you right now, something about your subconscious and anxiety more than likely. But Oh, probably. Most likely. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's get to the end of this chapter. We are chasing the end of this chapter. Yes. Let's jump into the last passage. It's a longer one, but I really like it. Uh, I think it's a good back and forth. I think it deserves its place. No, she thought. No, he can't. Not him. It isn't fair. Both horses were lathered and flagging by the time he came up beside her, reached over and grabbed her bridle. Arya was breathing hard herself then. She knew the fight was done. You ride like a northman, milady, Harwin said when he'd drawn them to a halt. Your aunt was the same, Lady Lyanna, but my father was the master of horse, remember? The look she gave him was full of hurt. I thought you were my father's man. Lord Eddard's dead, milady. I belong to the Lightning Lord now, and to my brothers. What brothers? Old Holland had fathered no other sons that Arya could remember. Angai, Lem, Thomas Sevens, Jack, Greenbeard, all of them. We mean your brother Rob, no ill, milady. But it's not him we fight for. He has an army all his own, and many a great lord to bend the knee. The small folk only have us. He gave her a searching look. Can you understand what I am telling you? Yes. That he was not Rob's man, she understood well enough, and that she was his captive. I could have stayed with Hot Pie. We could have taken the little boat and sailed it up to River Run. She'd been better off as Squab. No one would take Squab captive, or Nan, or Weasel, or Ari, the orphan boy. I was a wolf, she thought. Now I'm just some stupid little lady again. Will you ride back peaceful now? Or must I tie you up and throw you across your horse? I'll ride peaceful. For now. Dun, dun, dun. That is actually how that, that chapter ends. I didn't just make that up. Yes, she will bide her time. That that you can't you can take the girl out of the north, but you can't take the north out of the girl. You know what I mean? You can't take you could take the dire wolf away from the girl, but you can't take the dire wolf out of the girl. Actually, apparently you really can't, or you take can't take the girl out of the dire wolf either. Apparently, yeah. Hell, I mean, you were talking about how that passage is so tense, and it, it's very when she's in the woods running. It could even be like a faceless men passage, her running and hiding and fighting. Uh, it's very wolfish, right? Like, that passage reads like it's from a wolf's POV for a mm, minute there in yeah. the woods. Like, like is Nymeria, like we talked about with Brand, is she Nymeria or is Nymeria her? Sometimes the line becomes blurred, I think. I agree. It does feel like it is absolutely within Nymeria's perspective and kind of also what our friend Ara said when she came on for, for an episode, right? Like, that Arya's... Without even trying, she's just skin changing. Oops, I warged. Oops, I warged again. Yeah, that's true. I'm in. You want to know? It's interesting that that's what you took from this passage, like that your first thought was the wolfish, you know, not even that, but like the the, the faceless men stuff with her, because you know what I took from it? Mm. This is going to be some classic Chloe shit. I just want you to know. Do you think that Liana tried to run too? And that one of the Kingsguard gave her the same speech oh interesting i don't know but i actually did like wonder like but i was like but who would she be running from but what you said also makes sense but also i was like maybe chloe's just influencing me what i <laughs> what i wondered well 
the the Liana's jumping out, obviously. It's easy, especially when you have this last passage comparing her writing to her, uh, which we've talked a little bit about throughout this book. But um, in at the Crossroads Theory, Lady Gwyn, if you haven't read it, you should have. You, you should go read it right now before you listen to this. But uh, the whole gist is that, you know, there, there was a reason that Rhaegar stole Liana away, and it was basically to keep her safe from his father, who was going to probably maybe send people out to get her because she was the Knight of the Laughing Tree, and, you know, Kangs have a problem with being mocked in front of, like, half their lord population or whatever. So that's the long story short, but I imagine Liana had this very same chat with either Arthur Dane or Gerald Hightower. I can imagine them telling her, we're keeping you for your safety, mm. you know, uh, you shouldn't be out here in the Riverlands, wandering around where Eris's men could get you. He's already killed your dad and your brother. Well, that didn't happen. It was about to, especially after that. You know, it could have been Arthur Dane or Oswald Went or Gerald Hightower here in the Riverlands, her riding away, trying to escape. And I imagine that there could have been a similar conversation in the Princess Pass, right atop the Tower of Joy, that we're the hope for the nation. Don't you understand, Liana? And now you're included in our little rebellion. Yeah, uh, I, I really like that idea. I think it's absolutely possible. Even if it wasn't like they said, you know, you're, he, he killed your brother and father because that hadn't happened yet. They could yeah. they could threaten her and be like, look at what he did in Duskendale. You know, mm-hmm. he would do that to your family. Which <laughs> he, he does, but anyways. Does, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Arya's kind of trapped here, almost like John is with the Free Folk, mm, right? He wants to escape, comparison. but... Yeah, because they're, like, not bad guys. The Free Folk, the Brotherhood, they're not bad guys. They're good people doing good things, but they aren't letting either of them leave. Sansa, obviously, is also a hostage. Uh, In the last chapter, she finds herself thinking, oh, the Tyrells, maybe Marjorie could be my new sister. And then, you know, that gets squashed when they all ignore her at her wedding to Tyrion. But are you stuck with the banners? Escape being a captive as well. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. I don't know. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just like Jamie Lannister, Captain... No, I'm joking. Um, oh, my God. But I Don't bring him into this. I think it, what you said there is really interesting of how she's trapped in a way that is like Jon, but also I would say even especially like Sansa, right? It's... We talk a lot about the trappings of power and the way Varys talks about it as being like the the affect of power when people believe that you are an important person mm-hmm. based on all these symbols and now Arya has those symbols but it's not just the trappings and visuals of power but going off the pun being a special person a noble is exactly why Arya is fucking trapped now because they're like you're worth a lot of money and when she's trying to escape she gets stuck on the game trail because I mean there's kind of an irony there she was the game and she was the hunted instead of the hunter, right? She's being, like, swift as a deer. But you know what? Unfortunately, deer fucking get hunted, okay? Deer. Often. Yes, often. They are prey. They are not considered predators. I watched Bambi. And also, look at what happened to the Baratheons. Anyways, coming back to Arya's identity and hiding it like it it's really coming through for me as we read this that Arya has actually never felt truly free as Arya Stark or Arya of Winterfell mm. her identity is being weaponized against her right now and it's a name that has only ever been used to control her and to tell her what she should want as a lady yeah i love what you've pointed out about her name always having been that, right? Like, even in Winterfell, exactly. she was supposed to be a lady that sewed, that wore dresses. Uh, when she goes, you know, to Lady Smallwood's keep in the next chapter, because she's a lady, she gets put in clothing she hates until the end of the chapter. Her name has been a fucking prison. Yeah, when she was squab or whomever, she's like, I would have at least been free. She could eat bugs on the ground and no one says anything That's then. That's all she wants. Let Arya eat bugs. Let Sansa finish her blunt and let Arya finish her bugs. Yes. She's like, hot pie, go cook these bugs into a bread for me. Mmm, <laughs> mash them and boil them and put them in, in a stew. Put them in a stew. <laughs> a weasel stew. Oh. A weasel soup. Seasoned with bugs? <laughs> oh, it'll be seasoned, all right. It'll be seasoned. 
season to eight. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> it ate all right. It ate all right. It well, did it? Okay. <laughs> in like four moments. So this was a great chapter to read with you. Actually, I'm very surprised. Like how much there is in this very, yeah. very slim chapter. There's a lot in here. And of course, next week is a big old chapter we'll go over with our friend Carm. This chapter uh, has a lot, has a lot on the road and at Lady Smallwoods. And we'll we'll jump into it. We'll dive into it. Get ready. It will not be a shorty like this one. It will not. But keep up with when that comes out. We already told you at the beginning of this episode, but whatever. You can keep track of it by following us on social media on Twitter at Girls Gone Canon or by sending us an email at Girls Gone Canon, that's C A N O N, at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah, we are on Blue Sky d- despite um, the lack of updates that th- they've been doing to the system. Still no drafts, so I don't know how I'm supposed to live my life, but it is what it is. We are still over there, so you can follow us there as well. And We have to give a shout out to our patrons who sponsor every single episode that we do. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. A huge thank you to them. And they are now going to tell you where you should be subscribed and listening to us at. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire, there's a pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun, and you won't regret it. That's all for Arya 3. I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back with Arya 4, and to keep on going through it with Arya. Because, oh boy, is she going through it. She is fucking going through it, and, you know, as we end this episode, as Chloe might say, off we fuck. I was gonna say she's just like me for real, but yeah, off we fuck. Yeah, but she is also just like you for real, because of all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye.